Influenza, we love you. You're Aww. still here. We know you're still here. You've just been rebranded. It is Thursday, April 22nd, and welcome to episode 12 squared. This is yet another special edition. Um, this is not as planned. We have not yet been able to logistically organize and get our acts together sufficiently to do um, the McBarnhart group with, with all six people. However, we are uh, today debuting the Dos Equis edition of the Barnhart podcast, Dos Equis as in Mexican beer, um, as in two X's, as in two X chromosomes. Um, we've got all the girls around the table tonight. So um, in order of appearance originally on the Barnhart podcast, first and foremost, Super Mommy, Super Mom, a.k.a. Mrs. Super Nerd is with us. Hello, Mrs. Super Nerd. How are you, darling? I'm fine, thanks. Glad to be here. Oh, glad to have you. Um, next in order is Nurse Claire, who um, <laughs> Nurse Claire has one or two things that she needs to say. Oh, and so <laughs> and of course, joining us again is you can't suppress a Vanessa. Vanessa dear, how are you? Great, great. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. All right. So we kind of had a, a rough outline going, um, certainly with Nurse Claire. Um, we've got all kinds of things to talk about in terms of what's going on medically. And it's actually going to tie in. This is going to get, in fact, pretty uh, pretty unpleasant and pretty, frankly, it's sounding, it's, it's pretty scary. This is actually going to tie into the fact that this is a Dos Equis episode and it's all women around the table. Let me say a word to the to the male listenership because uh, I think more than half of the listenership to the Barnhart podcast is in fact men. Um, don't be put off or intimidated that it's all women. Um, we've got some pretty hardcore scientific stuff that we're going to be discussing, and uh, we we all made the pact before we started this that there would be no up topic, no up talking whatsoever, and. Um, you know, we're, it's, again, I don't want to scare everybody off before we even get into this, but we're going to be talking about horribly enough, um, menstruation and things like that, but it's very scientific and it's as regards the death jab. So please male listeners stick with us. And, uh, I think you're going to hear some pretty interesting things. Now we had a secondary topic on the agenda. We were going to talk about, um, you know, we, I've gotten lots and lots of email requests about female modesty and dressing and, and all this kind of stuff. I honestly don't even know if we're going to get to that in this episode. We can always save that for another Dos Equis episode um, in the near future because, boy, Nurse Claire, there is so much to talk about. And a lot of this is exploding within the last, what, 24, 48 hours. Uh, yeah, I was going to be generous and say the last 72 hours have been... Um, disturbing. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't sleep very well last night. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into that. <laughs> well, let's, let's dive in right away. First of all, everybody remembers that you are, um, you are a nurse in a major metropolitan area east of the Mississippi. 
And just general on the ground, what is the status? Is it mountains of dead bodies or, or what's the deal? Uh, gosh, I don't even know where to start. So first of all, I will say this. If you have not turned off the television by now, you absolutely must do, do that. Mm. The, the television has warped people that they can't even... Um, they can't even admit what they are perceiving with their own senses right now. So yeah. I don't watch TV. I check the local news only for uh, on the internet for weather, but I yeah. see the headlines screaming hospitalizations, new cases, and I go to work and there's nothing. Um, so I call around, I talk to other colleagues, everybody's saying the same thing. The, the COVID admissions to the hospital, at least where I am at, are, um, it's a scam. I mean, I'll just cut to the chase. I don't know how else to say it, it's a scam. People are being admitted to the hospital for non-COVID related um, etiologies. And it's, it's being coded as COVID because it is billed at $14,000 for no. a, yeah, for a, uh, you can be admitted as a, a PUI, a person under investigation. Um, and the hospital will receive $14,000. The requirement is that you are tested for COVID within the 48 hours. If you are tested negative, then the insurance company revokes 20% of that $14,000, but it's still quite lucrative for the hospitals to admit you that way. So I figured this out because I got called to the um, cardiology department to sedate. I, I'm, a, I'm an anesthetist, actually. I'm not a bedside RN. I'm, I'm a nurse anesthetist. So I got called to the cardiology department to sedate a woman admitted with atrial fibrillation who needed synchronized cardioversion. We were going to shock her out of that rhythm. So I walked in, I opened up her medical record on my computer and across the top of, of the screen in big, bright yellow letters, it says positive COVID screening. So I said to the patient, do you have COVID? And she says, no, I've never had COVID. In fact, I got my second dose of the vaccine in February. So I turned to the cardiology nurse and I said, do you know why she has positive COVID screening listed on the top of her chart. And she said, oh, well, we do that for anyone that's admitted with any kind of symptoms that could possibly be COVID. Which is anything, right? Absolutely. Which is basically anything. Yeah. Yes. And I'm going to give you two anecdotes so that the listenership knows exactly what I'm talking about. And I can paint a very distinct picture for you. This woman, um, first of all, I mean, I, I personally believe her AFib she was 81 years old. This was a new onset atrial fibrillation. It, it could be unrelated to the vaccine, but I have heard quite a few people developing atrial fibrillation following the second dose of the vaccine. So I question um, how much the vaccine played a role in this, but she was home by herself. She developed extreme shortness of breath. She got scared. She called her children. They told her to call an ambulance. So she came to the emergency department with shortness of breath. That was her presenting symptom. That was her admission um, diagnosis, shortness of breath. 
-hmm. that falls under, that makes you a positive COVID screening. Oh my gosh. A person under investigation for COVID. Meanwhile, her shortness of breath was secondary to the fact that she was in congestive heart failure, which was related directly and caused by the AFib. Mm -hmm. Um, And once we shocked her and got her out of this atrial fibrillation, she felt like a million bucks. She was fine. She never had COVID. She tested negative for COVID, but she was listed as a PUI, a person under investigation, and the hospital billed it that way. The second, yeah, days, days later, I had a, um, a gentleman in the operating room who was in his 90s was also blaring across the top of his chart, positive COVID screening, um, admitted for nausea, vomiting, difficulty swallowing. This man subsequently tested negative for COVID, but was admitted that way. Um, He had a, a large esophageal tumor massive esophageal tumor with lymph node involvement, which was um, compressing his abdominal organs, causing his nausea and vomiting. It involved his airway. Um, The the tumor was so massive, it was compressing his trachea. But yet someone's making a bunch of money Mm -hmm. off of this guy's admission. So when you watch the news, when you look at the television and you're hearing about these um, increasing numbers of COVID admissions, be very skeptical. The The other thing, though, that is happening um, are the vaccine side effects. People are sustaining a lot of vaccine side effects, um, and that's not being reported by the news at all. Of, oh, not of course all. not. Of course not. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what you just went through, they will call absolutely anything. And do you remember last year, there was that nurse who was from, I think she was from Atlanta and she went up at the very beginning on a, you know, to volunteer to work in New York. Well, there were two. There there were two of them, but the one who put out the video that said, there are people like low income, mostly black people rolling into the emergency room, clearly suffering from nothing more than yeah. anxiety and they are putting those people immediately on ventilators, on ventilators. And, murder, and murdering them i mean yeah. it's it's basically the same the same species and what's so uh, just thoroughly evil about this right now is i mean take someone well, hypothetically like myself 44 years old in perfect health there is no way i am going anywhere near any doctor, any hospital, anything, because they are clearly just using this as, as a, a money laundering and slash murder if they can get away with it. If they can find any reason at all to get you into this, into this uh, totalitarian system, where someone like me, I mean, I could, my, my life could just be completely destroyed. They could, you know, BS declare that I that I have COVID or or put me into some sort of a quarantine. It's to the point now where what what if something just totally random cropped up with me and in any previous time I would have just I would have totally gone to the doctor. I'm not against doctors, but you know, I don't go to the doctor frequently either, very, very rarely. But if something were to happen to me, I yeah, I would go to the doctor. Now, no way, no way. I'm not going anywhere near any of it. And and how many people are going to get 
and it, it's already happening with with early on early stage cancers and things like that people are not going to go and get treatment and things are going to turn into bad if not lethal medical circumstances just because <laughs> it prudence says you've got to stay as far away from all of this as you possibly can and and what are we going to do that how many doctor beeps are there you can you know Dr. Beep lives X thousand miles away. Well, that's the only one that I know of who, who isn't going to try to kill me. You know, how many are there? Um, it's, it's just an a nearly impossible situation. And in terms of the numbers, I'm convinced that somebody in, in the halls of government or Fauci or the new world order, they pick up a phone and they call somebody and they say, Absolutely. all right, we, we need, we need to see way more cases. We, and a good mm -hmm. example of this is Michigan. And if you look at this map of Michigan and how these it's, you know, Michigan is just dark red with all of these case numbers. And isn't it fascinating that that virus religiously the <laughs> observes the magic line, the yep. arbitrary magic line that is the state line. And then if you go, what's straight south of Michigan? Ohio? Is that what's on the border? Oh, mm, uh, Illinois, I thought. Or Indiana. I don't know. I'm a flunky geography. Yeah, I mean, flunky. whatever it is on that southern border of Michigan, um, I think it's Indiana, maybe. I mean, there's there's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there. And you you look at Whitmer and she's evil and she's a totalitarian. And you know that these people that this is all just being completely cooked up. Um, uh, same things going on over in Europe. Are you you're telling me that in the UK they went from, you know, over a thousand people allegedly dying a day to as soon as they rolled out the um, as soon as they rolled out the, the death jabs, the numbers just plummeted instantly to where now they only have like a thousand positive cases per day and maybe, you know, 20 deaths per day. Whereas just just a short time ago, they were having like eleven hundred deaths per day. No, this is all propaganda. This is obviously all propaganda and it's all cooked. But what you're telling us, I, I don't think a lot of people realize about this thing of just everybody who walks in the door is 14 grand. That's just unbelievable. Yep. Yep. So two things I'll pull out of what you, I'll circle back to mm, what you okay, just Jen. said. <laughs> um, so everybody needs to understand how very, very powerful Anthony Fauci is. He controls NIH funding. So these large academic medical centers um, and even if you're not in an academical, academic medical center, most um, private practice physicians, most of them are a thing of the past. They have been bought up and purchased by large healthcare conglomerates. He controls a lot of NIH funding. So these people either toe the line or they don't get paid. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying about him making a phone call to drive up numbers. Absolutely. Absolutely. This stuff is happening. The corruption is so deep. You can't possibly even imagine. The other thing I like to point out in terms of, um, you said cancer screenings. If you are a woman who has taken the vaccine, I hope you're not, but if you are, it's now being advised, you cannot have a mammogram 
post-vaccination for at least eight weeks because the lymph nodes are so enlarged from the vaccine that we have radiologists reporting they can't read mammograms. Oh it, there's, it, it's the vaccine is causing tremendous amount of interference with mammograms. So if you're a woman who's taken the vaccine and you potentially find an abnormality in your breast that you want to have screened for cancer, good luck. You're going to be put on a list to wait and made to wait. And then, you know, we all know how that story goes. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. The the long-term ramifications of this have yet to even manifest. Oh, this is just the very, very, very beginning of this. Just the very beginning. I think it's their intention to just basically I mean, it, their intention, and we're going to get we're going to get into this. Their their very clearly stated intention is to reduce the human population by more than ninety percent within a matter of years. So, I mean, that right there is just a little suspicious, you know. Um, but also, I think they just want to basically collapse the entire. I don't understand why, but they want to collapse the entire healthcare delivery system, clearly make it into just one ginormous um, single payer thing. And I I think it's even beyond at this point um, within a single payer system within the boundaries of the United States. I think when we talk about new world order, one world government, that it's inclusive in all of that too. I think, I think they want to, pull the focus all the way back on this thing so that the money, the payouts and the, and the control is, is well and truly global, or at least in what we would call the post-Christian West. I mean, China is obviously probably going to continue to, you know, operate their own totalitarian system, but, you know, everybody else in the post-Christian West is going to end up under the same, uh, one world governmental system, which, and we're also going to get into this, is we are now seeing they're having a conference in the Van- the Vatican <laughs> anti-church, and it is a rogues gallery of these people. It's Fauci. It's this uh, that chimpanzee hag from the UK, Jane Goodall, who openly says that all the world's problems would be solved if the global population was what it was 500 years ago. Well, all you have to do is type that into a search engine, what was the global population in the year 1500? 500 million global population. Population of the United States right now is something like 330 million. so, and if, if global population is 7.7 billion and they want to take it down to half a billion, that's something like a, I think that's a 94 to 95% reduction. And they're openly talking about this at, and they're going to be saying these things at the Vatican, which, you know, just encapsulating everything about the Barnhart podcast and the space is that it's the anti-church. I mean, it's obviously, obviously the anti-church being in bed with all this, trying to push the death jab as a moral imperative, um, being in bed with all this. I mean, it's, it's to the point now where it's just, a, it's almost a 100% contraindicator. If, if Bergoglio is in favor of something, you know that it's either evil 
or doctrinally wrong. If Bergoglio says the Blessed Virgin is not the co-redemptrix, that is as good of a confirmation as we're gonna get today that she totally is the co-redemptrix. And that's just, that's just one example. If Bergoglio says it's a moral imperative to get the death jab, that means that you die before you get the death jab, basically. So, um, yeah, but Nurse Claire, get us back into um, on the ground scientific stuff. Um, do do we want to now pivot into what oh, we're seeing with regards yeah. to the shedding and the, yeah, the menstrual I, cycles and everything? So uh, I, I think what you're saying about the overarching goal here to be not only, well, not only the totalitarian control, but the population reduction. When the vaccine, um, when the vaccination started, my fear was for the vaccinated. I, I feared for mm -hmm. these people developing ADE, which is antibody dependent enhancement, having a cytokine storm and dying horrible deaths yes. next year in next cold and flu season when they encountered um, the coronavirus in the wild. Mm -hmm. What I have learned in the last 48 to 72 hours, my fear has shifted not just for the people who have taken the vaccine, but for all of us. Because it appears these people are shedding something. Mm -hmm. um, we do not know what it is. I was just on a, a webinar earlier this evening with some physicians right before, um, right before I got in touch with you. We have no idea what's going on. <laughs> no, no one knows. I, I don't even know where to start with this. There are women who are non-vaccinated unvaccinated and calling this a vaccine, by the way, right. is, is an abuse of the term. So yes. make no mistake. When I say that, I'm just being generic in referring to that so that everybody knows what I'm referring to. But these injections that people are taking, these are not vaccines in any sense of the word. These are genetic, um, genetic agents. Mm -hmm. it, it, these medications are only being given under emergency use authorization. They have not been fully FDA approved and they have not been administered to human beings ever. Ever. Um, yeah. And we can talk about the technology of the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, which is uh, quote unquote vaccine, which uses um, a DNA technology where it is, uh, it's transgenetic material wrapped in an adenovirus shell. That's the technology behind the J&J &J jab. Mm -hmm. The other two vaccines, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccines, use the novel mRNA technology. And the, that mRNA is encapsulated inside of a nanoparticle, a nanolipid particle, which we can get into that as well. But... Um, and those the, are that's brand new and experimental in and of itself. That, that is as yeah. well. That mm -hmm. is novel, completely mm -hmm. novel. But the point is, the people who have taken these injections, we all are aware from various social media accounts of the side effects and the manifestations these people are having. But now there are unvaccinated women who are manifesting all sorts of menstrual anomalies. We have children who are um, exhibiting bleeding disorders after they've been in close proximity 
to um, the vaccinated, the quote unquote vaccinated and men, men as well. Men are not exempt from this. They are, are reporting strange bleeding, bruising, clotting. Um, it, I'm sorry to say this, but I think we're all mature here. Erectile dysfunction and diminished sperm counts. Mm -hmm. So something is being transmitted. It, no one at this point knows exactly what's happening. There are numerous physicians, epidemiologists, immunologists, and virologists who are speculating. Is this the shedding of a protein? Is this the shedding of a, the, the spike protein from these people? Is it transmission of a, another protein, uh, the anti-spike protein that is produced by someone who's received these jabs? Uh, we don't know. We have no idea. And if now, it is some they, kind of shedding, is it coming out through the skin? Is it a pheromone? We have no idea. Oh my gosh. So but, the, the numbers of people, and a lot, a lot of the listeners will be saying, this is the first I've heard about any of this. Mm -hmm. This has actually been going on for quite a while. I've been getting anecdotal stuff in my email box about this. Then you start talking to people. And I talked to, um, I talked to Dr. Beep earlier today and said, are you seeing this? And he said, I'm not seeing it myself only because right now I'm on a geriatric thing. So he's not seeing menstrual involvement himself personally, but he said his colleagues totally are. Well, totally the are. interesting thing about that, though, there are reports of postmenopausal women yes, now yes. started bleeding. Yeah. 78-year-old women who have resumed their period. I oh mean, my gosh. this is freak show stuff. This is dystopian sci-fi as it gets. Early on, like last year, they were talking about um, when all this talk about... Um, mRNA and all of this and, and the spike protein, it was the spike protein. They said this thing could have involvement with the placenta, the uterine lining, and, it, and essentially it could attack the mechanism that causes the uterus to hold on to the uterine lining. Um, so what it would in theory do is it would make it impossible for a woman to carry a pregnancy because she she would just keep sloughing the 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 uterine lining would just keep sloughing and she could never hold a pregnancy so the physicians on the webinar and i've i've heard this from other physicians as well what they are reporting is that there are women when you talk about sloughing off the entire lining of the uterus there are women who are expelling what is called a decidual cast it is a and in a cast of the entire uterus that they're no. expelling. So this is, um, you can't make this up. And not to mention on top of all of this, the miscarriage rate is up 6,000%. Yep. It's what not more a coincidence. Can I yeah, it's no. not a coincidence. No. Now, um, just to kind of prove the point, We've got someone on the call that would like to testify testify to this. Vanessa, what do you want to say about this? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously super unfortunate to be able to speak to the issue and obviously file this under things I never thought I would speak about in public, uh, oh. let alone on a podcast. But, you know, if it can help other people 
Um, I've definitely been diving into this in the past 48 hours myself and spoken to my primary care physician, um, who's also an OB, and she's also traditionally Catholic. So she thinks just like us, and I'll be kind of referring to some of the things that she and I have been texting about on this issue. But essentially, I noticed that in the month of February, I had a very abnormal um, cycle and very heavy bleeding to the point where I thought that I had miscarried. And I, you know, mentioned that when I saw my primary care physician, I went to her, this was, I want to say, late February for just a routine checkup. It actually wasn't as a result of that. It was more, hey, I haven't been to the doctor in a little bit. Let me just get a full panel of blood tests. Let me just do a full physical. So I mentioned it to her and she's like, okay, well, that's strange. You know, keep me updated if there's anything else. And I said, okay, if that's fine. And she calls me, this was about four days ago, to go over the results of my all of my tests. And the week prior to that, I had gotten my period for, uh, th- for the month of March, which was the exact same situation. Very heavy bleeding, very uncharacteristic for me. And for those who don't menstruate on listening to the podcast, um, Typically, when women have periods, they are very unique to them, but they're consistent. So if something is out of whack, that usually means that there is something going on. Now, it's possible to miss periods or to have late periods. That can be common if a woman is stressed out or if she's playing sports. You know, that's not so much of an eyebrow raiser. But in my situation, um, they were early, which is also very abnormal. So I didn't really think, I I was concerned the second time that this happened. But again, I was just kind of like, hmm, I don't know what's going on. Um, You know, speaking to Nurse Claire offline, we're kind of trying to figure stuff out as well. I start to search more into it and I find an Instagram account. They just shut her account down today. Her name is Kim Albert, I believe it it is. Um, Nurse Claire, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. And she was uploading hundreds and hundreds of user stories to her Instagram page of women basically complaining about three things. The first thing was abnormal heavy periods. The second was a lack of period. Um, I did see the older ladies resuming periods. And then also children getting heavy nosebleeds. But that's the first time that I saw other people describe what I had experienced. So fast forward, I'm sorry, you know, go back to when my doctor called me about four days ago, she tells me, you know, all your labs came back and you're completely healthy. So I can rule out right now that that experience for me with the cycles was not, is not related um, to anything else, it seems. Oh, and by the way, we should, we should say for the record, you're in your early thirties, right? I'm 33. Yes. Yeah. So this isn't, this isn't, um, the beginning of menopause or anything. No, still no. Well within the window of of normal menstruation. Yeah. Yes, I had a baby last year. I'm young, healthy, in my early 30s, and was confirmed healthy. You know, literally four days ago with my doctor. Now, I um, asked her at the very end of, of the phone call. I said, "Listen, I had the same experience again. You wanted me to let you know. I've been on the internet. I've looked around. It looks like this could be related." 
to the vaccine, do you know what's going on? And she dropped her voice and I heard her close her door and she's like, listen, I'm going to talk to you as a friend and not as a doctor. Um, but what I'm seeing happening right now is that this is this is not just you. Um, people are reporting this to me that, that it's happening to them as well. She said she's seeing more miscarriages. Um, she's seeing very strange things like the decidual cast that Nurse Claire was talking about. So we've just been, I'm just going to refer to her text really quickly here because there's been some good information. Um, she also mentioned that her brother is a doctor in Asia who's been looking closely at this. And he... Um, thinks that it's actually, an, he, optimistically, he's saying that perhaps it's an opportunity to get immunity from passive exposure to vaccinated shutters. Um, that's one of the texts. She says, I don't think they're shedding mRNA. I think they're shedding something causing autoimmune attacks on ovaries and heaven knows what, what else. My brother thinks low-dose steroids could turn it around as a last resort. Um and she also gives an anecdote of, she said, I have patients, uh, a mother and a daughter. The mom has abnormally high progesterone, which never happens on its own. And she's 43. And her 18-year-old daughter started skipping cycles, which she never has. Um, they reported this shortly after their grandfather visited after his vaccination. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's obviously super stressful. Um, I started to think about, well, what's my behavior been like? Well, I have been going to the grocery store in the middle of the afternoon, and I have been surrounded by elderly folks. Um, my area has a higher, a lot of retirement homes. So the only people shopping in the grocery store in the middle of the afternoon are retired folks and housewives. So I, I've just kind of made the decision to, if I'm going to go shopping, it's going to be very late at night, and so mm -hmm. I don't have to be around other people or give the shopping tasks to my husband. But I'm, I'm going to hope that there's going to be some reversal of this, um, you know, by changing some of my patterns. I did call, oh, the other thing I was seeing with, with miscarriages was I did call several friends of mine and um, warn them of the same situation. So I, would, I guess my advice would be to folks, if you're experiencing this as well, to see how you can modify your behavior to avoid large vaccinated crowds and also to warn any any friends who are pregnant. Um, and, you know, but just relying on on divine providence and, you know, whatever happens next. But And um, isn't this ironic? Isn't this ironic that now here we are standing around talking about the fact that it's the truth could be that people who are not jabbed <laughs> need to stay away from people who are, where of, of course the mainstream propaganda is exactly the opposite. You can't go anywhere, you can't do anything, you can't be around anyone unless you have had the, the jab. Isn't it ironic? And in, in it fact, is. it's it's demonically inverted, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's all you always look for these things that are that are pure inversions, and that's always just ding a, a red flag indicator that there's something preternatural going on. I also want to reiterate. First of all, nobody is going to investigate any of this. This is all, this is, it's going to be totally suppressed in the media, Facebook, all social media. They will, as I, you already said that they canceled the Kim, the Kim Alberts account, didn't they? Yeah, she has a backup. So if people are interested, just search on Instagram, Kim Albers, I think 2.0, or I'll provide this to Anne for the show notes. Uh, I think she's trying to get a second, a second one up and going, but yeah, censored. Mm -hmm. And so no research, no scientific research will be permitted to be done on any of this. Um, it will, it will all be totally suppressed. The other thing, and I've made this point before on the podcast, the other thing that you have to remember 
is that most people today, most young people, most people in the breeding, women in the breeding age window, they view sterilization as a feature, not a bug. And you say, oh, come on, and that's good. No, it's not. These people, if you tell them, by the way, you take, you take the, the vaccine and you could end up sterilized for the rest of your life. And they'll say, cool, do I have to pay extra for that? That's how far gone this culture is. That's the mindset of these people. So they're not going to be up in arms about this. You tell a 19-year-old girl walking the streets today, you're never going to be able to have any children. And she's, she's ecstatic. You mean I can have as much sex as I want and I never have to worry about getting pregnant ever? Great. She, she's, she's completely ecstatic about that. There's not going to be an uprising. There's not going to be there's not going to be any resistance to this on a mass level because the culture being completely post-Christian and now just, you know, sprinting into overt Satanism, the culture is suicidal. They, they don't want to reproduce. And a lot of people are, are quasi suicidal in terms of themselves. Yeah. I'm going to get the jab. Ah, if it kills me, whatever. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to live in a world. I, there's really no future for me anyway. There's all kinds of excuses that you hear people making about this. So there's not going to be a mass uprising. We're here talking about this amongst ourselves. We're talking to the remnant. We're, we're preaching to the remnant here. Um, and then the other, the other point I want to make again about the youth is that you're seeing these absolutely bizarre videos um, just, you know, being posted onto social media, Twitter, whatever, of young people just having these ecstatic reactions that I'm going to get my vaccine. Young people excited about this on a level that young people haven't been excited about anything in their entire lives. And that all of that excitement just screams preternatural to me. It screams demonic oppression that they are they are that uh, almost religiously zealous about this, that they're going into these quasi-religious ecstasies because they're going to get what is basically appearing to be a Luciferian um, anti-sacrament of getting this injection. So, I mean, it's all, all of this evidence, just it's talk about consilience. Everything just keeps coming together and coming together and coming together. And if I could add just about the younger generation, being a millennial myself, um, I have met women almost at every job that I've had that when we, you know, we'll talk about whether we're married or unmarried at the time or plan to have children, I've always met women who said, yeah, you know, I'm just not going to have kids. Um, and they say it very matter of factly, um, without any, you know, irony. And it's it's always was very disturbing to me. I just never understood that mindset and how someone at a, such a young age could be so set on that. Um, another thing I've I've also just noticed is definitely my generation, but particularly the one below me. So I think that would be Gen Z. Um, travel has been something that has been so pushed on on my generation and the one below me. Um, you have to see the world. You have to go here. You have to go there. You have to find yourself. And a lot of what I'm seeing is the younger generation saying, I'll do whatever it takes so I can travel again. I'll do whatever it takes so I can yeah. travel again. So it's almost like you've gotten these marketing messages that have been perfectly set up like little, you know, exploding time bombs 
moms to just have this COVID situation swoop in and lead them by the nose to do whatever the, the, the new world order wants. It's like you said, completely preternatural and, and very disturbing. Yeah. Super mommy, do you have, do you have any um, anecdotal evidence? Have you seen or heard anything in your neck of the woods? I have. Um, I personally know of both male and female um, reports of the same things Nurse Claire was talking about, um, both concerning menstruation and um, just male issues. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have contact with people that have been vaccinated, and it's, you know, I'm just sitting here trying to figure out, okay, how do I carefully, I don't know, I don't want to cut off friendships, but you know, I, I'm trying to figure out, do I need to really reduce exposure to these people? Um, It's, it's hard because like Nurse Claire said, there's so much we don't know. We don't know if they're shedding this through their skin or uh, for how long after a vaccination they shed it, if it's forever or if it's for a limited time or whatever, is it worse right after they've been vaccinated versus, you know, a few months down the road. Um, We'd love to have answers to all these questions, I'm sure. But in the meantime, I think the big thing is, what do we do about our family and friends who have been vaccinated and our exposure to them? Right. And you bring up a really interesting point, because I think it's pretty clear that where this is going, talk about demonic inversions. Um... everybody's being coerced completely against every law, every human rights, um, every human rights compact on the planet. Overt coercion is going on in order to get people to get this, this injection. I promise you that within the next, it'll probably be a matter of weeks. Within the next matter of weeks, as this information trickles out and more people who are still sane become aware of this and people start saying, I don't want to be around people who have had the injection. The, they will bring the law down on people for discrimination for this. So everybody's being coerced into doing it. And I haven't stepped foot in a grocery store in 11 months and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's going to be so that you, you're you not going to be able to enter any sort of a public space, eat in a restaurant. Certainly, I mean, I'm resigned to the fact that I may never, I may never travel again. I may, ne- I may never be able to take any sort of public transport ever again. And I sat down, I don't know if I mentioned this on a previous podcast, I sat down and thought about it not too long ago. I haven't been outside of a one kilometer radius of my, of my domicile since October 14th. And, you know, don't don't cry any salty tears because um, I'm not suffering at all. In fact, it hadn't even occurred to me. That's how that's how benign that sort of a that sort of an oppression is for me personally. Um, It's no big deal. But I stopped and thought about that and how shocking that is. And the, the thought that I need to get processed through my head, I may never in my natural life be able to travel again um, anywhere. Or if I do, I'm going to have to do something like rent a car, but then will I even be permitted to do that? So there's, you've already got um, all kinds of massive forms of discrimination here. 
going on right and left, and it's all completely legally protected, if the truth comes out and this thing is what we think it is, and people who are not injected start saying, we have got to segregate ourselves from these people, um, we, we will be, we will be legally prosecuted for discrimination. So that's something that everyone right now, yeah, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, here's another layer of how they're going to come after us. So um, just start preparing for it now as best you can. And, uh, you know, I really don't, at this point, I don't have any good, um, any good suggestions of where to go or what to do, because as we've anticipated, this last iteration of societal collapse it's going to be everywhere it's it's just it's atomized throughout the entire culture and there's no there's nowhere to go there's really no enclave of protection at this point so we're we're all going to end up it i mean the church it certainly we're going to end up underground in terms of the church and the sacraments as they already are in Ireland it is it is a crime in Ireland today for a priest to hear a confession he can talk to somebody but if he if he hears a confession and gives absolution it is it is a fairly severe crime with i believe um jail term associated with it and that's all coming my, my understanding is there's no public mass either no. No. in Ireland. So there's no mass, there's no confession. And if a priest leaves his house to say the mass, so if he if he has a hidey hole or he has somebody who has a home altar and he gets snagged and they figure out that he's going somewhere to celebrate the mass, presumably if you know they would search him and he would have um, a host and a bit of wine on him or, or any sort of liturgical accoutrement on his person, he would be guilty of a felony that carries a jail term for leaving his house in order to say the mass. I mean, this is making stuff that went on um, under the worst oppressions and back under the, you know, the the Protestant, the Protestant kings and queens. Th this is making that look like a, a, a ladies disagreement at a, at a bridge club or something. This is just un completely unbelievable. But yet another wonderful layer to this cake. Nurse Claire, uh, what else yes. you got for us? Make it make it worse. I mean, we're in for a penny and for a pound. We might as well just do, do this all at once. Well, there's nothing good. I, I don't, our hope is in the Lord um, because this is, this is really bad. As far as this, um, Shedding. Shedding is actually not the correct term because shedding is what happens with a um, a live virus vaccine or or a vaccine that uses um, an intact virus. The mm -hmm. the correct term that's happening with these COVID injections is transmission. Okay. So we don't know the route of transmission. As I was saying, if it's coming out of people's skin. Um, if it's coming out of, uh, if it's in their skin cells, if it's something they're sweating out or in their pheromones, but what we do, I mean, I, we do know that our public drinking water yeah. is already contaminated with pharmaceutical residue. So I don't, is this something being excreted in people's urine that's not being removed in our water treatment facilities? I have no idea 
the route of exposure. Um, Super Mommy, you mentioned, we don't know, are these people shedding just within the first few weeks or transmitting within the first few weeks of their injection? Um, is this something that goes on indefinitely? No one knows. I've seen physicians speculating that it's it may last six months. But what we do know is that these shots cause the body to make a synthetic protein forever. When you take these vaccines, quote unquote, this process that is induced inside of your body by this genetic modifying agent never shuts off. Yeah. Never shuts off. This becomes part of you forever. So I'm inclined to think that there's a significant long-term risk here to all of us, to all of the unvaxxed. What we do about it, I don't know. It's an evolving situation. And hopefully um, it, there, is, there is no formal data, database to report these symptoms. So there's no way to track them other than these social media anecdotal reports. Um, and they're and, shutting that and, down. And they're shutting that down. They're, yeah. shutting, they're shutting that down. They are suppressing that. They are censoring that. However, there are physicians who are aware that that censorship is is happening. So um, I don't know. I'm hopeful that someone will set up a database at some point. We do have um, VAERS. I don't know if people are really aware of VAERS, the VAERS website. Now that, VAERS stands for the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, and it's a vaccine surveillance program um, set up by the HHS by the Health and Human Services Department, and um, it is to track adverse events that follow vaccination. It's monitored by the CDC and by the FDA. Anyone can file a report there. Um, so maybe some of these things will, I mean, I, I recognize that these symptoms are happening in the unvaxxed, but maybe people will start to report them to VAERS and there, there will be a method to track them. I don't know. But um, anyone can go onto the VAERS website and look at these um, side effects in people who have taken the vaccine, quote unquote. Um, and I How think many that, deaths is VAERS showing oh, right now? Geez. Well, so that's a very good question because VAERS is an underrepresentation. Yeah. Um, By like 90%, they estimate, it, right? It, 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 I'm looking at it right now. It says uh, it is a voluntary reporting system that has been estimated to account for only 1% of vaccine injuries. So it's a gross underestimation of the real, um, real situation. What it's showing right now as of April 9th, because the data always does lag anywhere from seven to 10 days um, behind, what it's showing as of April 9th, is 2,602 deaths, 5,000 hospitalizations, over 10,000 um, visits to urgent care centers, over 10,000 office visits, 458 situations of anaphylaxis, 481 occurrences of Bell's palsy, uh, 100 miscarriages, 549 heart attacks, and thrombocytopenia low platelets, 338. The thrombocytopenia low platelets, I think, is really, really underrepresented there. Um, and keep in mind, these vaccines have only been out for four months. Mm -hmm. So this is um, 
really unprecedented. The removal or the suspension of the Johnson and Johnson jab, I think was controlled demolition. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pfizer is exceptionally powerful. It's, it's really uncommon for any pharmaceutical to be demonized by the mainstream media. Um, in the removal of that vaccine from the market, quote unquote vaccine, the, the suspension of that should make everyone suspicious because these clots, all, all of the, the negative effects are happening at an even higher rate with both the Moderna and the Pfizer shots. So if this was really about health, if this was really about safety, all of these jabs um, would have been withdrawn, not just yeah. the J&J. So my personal theory on the Johnson & Johnson, well, I, think, I think it is possible, if not probable, that this was planned from the beginning. They said, look, we're going to give you however many hundred billion guaranteed you're going to get the X hundred billion. We're going to roll it out and then we're going to recall it. And you keep, you keep the X hundred billion and just walk away from it. And it's all being done, like you said, to demonize the non mRNA ones and, and push and drive people into that. Oh no, I, I have to get the Pfizer. I have to get the mRNA because that's safe. Again, just look for everything to be completely inverted. I strongly it, suspect yeah. that it was just a, it was just a money laundering, a money laundering PR thing that was planned as all of this, as we're seeing, by the way, we'll repost in the show notes. Also the Johns Hopkins, um, to 2017 paper, like almost a hundred pages long, 2017 lays all of this out in just stunning detail, including so many people dying from the, uh, fake vaccine rollout that the president of the United States has to go on television and make a public statement to the country effectively canonizing all of the dead people as having sacrificed their lives Ugh. for the greater good of their communities. This Talk was anticipated. An oh my gosh. This was anticipated in 2017 that, that that was going to happen. And I think what happened is, um, Trump and the dates on the Johns Hopkins document from 2017 is um, that this great Corona pandemic would happen. It would be 20, 2025 to 2028. So they anticipate it being a three year operation. And we're what, 13 months into it. Okay, 13, 14, maybe 15 months into it. Um, they, they're from the beginning, they anticipate it's going to be a three year operation. And um, what was the other point I was going to make? Uh, Johns Hopkins, twenty twenty five to twenty twenty eight. You brought up Trump. Did you oh, Trump! Trump, exactly, exactly. That's the point I was going to make. I think that Trump just moved everything back for them, and they said we have to launch this now. We have to launch it so that it's happening in twenty twenty, so that we can use it as a pretense to, you know, get him out of office. Um, now the interesting question in all of this, and we've, we've talked about this before on the, on the, you can't suppress a Vanessa episode. 
who is Trump? What is his role in all of this? He's been, and he continues to be cheerleading for all of this crap. Although, mm -hmm. wasn't he cheerleading Johnson & Johnson? He was cheerleading Johnson & Johnson. I, it, it, the interesting thing, I, was it 2014? Maybe someone had posted some old tweets of his. He held himself out as an anti-vaxxer. He held himself out as championing this cause for um, families of vaccine injured children. And those people really, really turned out for him in 2016 because they thought that that he was going to carry this torch. And that's interesting. Not can only you, can you send so, links for the show notes for that? Because I've I'll, never, try, I've, I'll try. So yeah, I'll I try actually to... have that tweet in front of me. Um, oh, on March 28th, 2014, he tweets, healthy young child goes to doctor, gets pumped with massive shot of mini vaccines, doesn't feel good and changes. Autism, many such cases. Um, so he, yeah, he did position. And the reason why people thought he had said that was there is speculation that his son Baron may have been, um, vaccine injured autistic. That is just speculation, but that that's why people think he has this interest. It did have this interest. Correct. And then, and then fast forward to 2020 and his operation warp speed that he yeah. spent $2 billion on these vaccines um he gave money to to gavi to the the gates you know yep. international whatever that stands for their big vaccine vaccine initiative and he gave the impression that he was the most pro-life president and i'm not saying maybe he did some things pro-life but these vaccines every one of them is tainted by abortion as is regeneron Let's talk about Regeneron. Um, he he allegedly received Regeneron when he had COVID. Um, Regeneron is derived from humanized mice. And those humanized mice are humanized by embryonic um, cells that they're injected with to give them a human immune system. This is all evil beyond, I mean, the Nazis would be proud. Yeah. Oh, Men so, Mengele. In fact, I think Mengele would be like blushing and saying, guys, really, I th haven't you haven't you crossed a line here? Yeah. And the, the other big question about Trump is why didn't he fire Fauci? In fact, for a while, he was talking like he was going to fire Fauci. Why wouldn't you fire Fauci? Makes no sense. None. So, yeah. Yeah, draw your own conclusion. I, I mean, I don't know. There's, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah, and you're more charitable towards him than than I would be. Actually, I, I've really, you know, come full circle on him. Um, I, I want to say he's been in on it the whole time. I, I wish I had some, some, you know, really good proof points for that. I just, I find him to, almost to be too good to be true. I think when we look back at his presidency from a pro-life perspective, from a traditional Catholic perspective, I mean, weren't we all just like ooing and aahing every five seconds when he would do something that really hit the mark, whether it was, you know, being speaking at the pro-life march or he played Ave Maria, 
you know, at the end of one of his, um, you know, it, we just were like, oh, this is so great. And now I'm looking back and I'm just like, you know, there's, there's rumors that he is a Freemason. Um, that's a deep, dark rabbit hole. I can try to provide some show notes stuff for obviously extremely hard to prove these things, but he, he just actually strikes me as a little too good to be true. And the way he flipped so quickly from yeah. pushing prophylactics to then just being a hundred percent gung ho, he yep. owed the American people some sort of an explanation, just as he owes them some sort of communication beyond what he's doing in a very controlled manner right now. So I find his um, he seems to be very communicative in some sense, almost too communicative, which I think throws people off. But if you think about it, he's been very silent when it's mattered most, and exactly. that's been very yep. suspicious for me. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. I also came full circle. I was way, way on board the Trump train in uh, what uh, July, July or August of 2015 when he announced he was running. I was like the first original Trump train and uh, was happy to vote for him in 2016. And in 2020, I, I didn't even vote. I didn't even vote because I thought I cannot. There was too many um, words that weren't followed up with actions um, and actions that I couldn't explain or justify, especially his inaction on people like Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, um, yeah. the emergency, the national uh, emergency declaration that enabled all of these governors to shut down. Like, I couldn't rectify that in my mind and I could not consent to be governed by either of these men and I didn't even vote. Um, I'm sure that well, it, it turns out the point is moot because nobody's vote counted anyway. No, nobody's so. <laughs> vote counted anyway. And, and I'm, but I'm sure people will be very offended to hear me say that. I don't care, yeah, <laughs> quite yeah. frankly. Um, but that, I mean, I voted my conscience, which was to not consent to being governed by either of those men. Yep. Now, there's one more scientific topic um, in your list, Nurse Claire, that I want to make sure that we hit. And this is this might be the worst of all, and that is prions. What have you learned about oh. prions? Well, let me pull up. Uh, someone sent me a paper earlier tonight. Um, so what, let's define a prion. A prion is basically a misfolded protein that self-replicates. It's not a virus. It's not a bacteria. It is a protein. So a virus cannot reproduce. A virus relies on a host. Um, a prion can self-replicate. These are very dangerous, very hard to destroy. Um, they cause hideous diseases like Critchfield-Jakob disease, which is bovine spongiform encephalitis it, it is mad cow disease where this is how i've known about prions for over 20 years because it's it's mad cow disease and it's human variant it's the prion yes. like you said it just replicates and it lays down as what they use the, the word they use to describe it as a plaque it forms a plaque in the brain if you can imagine <laughs> something as horrible yeah. as that yeah yeah. Um, there are a lot of people speculating that, um, let me open this paper. So the, the paper I'll include for the show notes, um, it's from, it's, it's from microbiology and infectious diseases. And the title of the paper is COVID-19 RNA based vaccines and the risk of prion disease. So there's some speculation that these, um, quote vaccines, may cause a prion-like syndrome in people's brain, which would 
basically result in the zombie apocalypse. Um, So there's a significant number of people that are, are saying this is a real, real concern that if it does happen, it's going to take several months to years to actually evolve. But in two years time, it's entirely conceivable that we could be looking at um, hundreds of thousands of people with a debilitating neurodegenerative disease. And it, it, as soon as I heard this, the first thing that popped into my mind was Our Lady's words that at the end, the living will envy the dead. Imagine if you have just found out that you're 20 something years old, 30 something years old, 40 something years old, and you've just been diagnosed and you're in the early stages of a catastrophic brain wasting disease and your brain is still functioning enough that you know what's happening to to you and you know what's going to happen to you. You're conscious of it. There are going to be people in the streets killing themselves, like like the biblical images of people going out into the streets and rending their garments and things like that. Um, if, If that is what's going on here, that's what I think that's what Our Lady could be talking about, that the living will envy the dead. People, people will find out that they've got this, and they'll just immediately demand to be euthanized or commit suicide themselves or whatever. Yeah. This is all of these things have come across my radar in just the last two or three days. And this is why I tell you, I, I just couldn't sleep last night. All of this on my mind from the fact that the people who have willingly accepted these injections, they're not the only ones at risk now. All of us are because I don't, I didn't foresee this as, as affecting the unvaccinated the way that it has. And it's, it is terrifying. It's the stuff of nightmares, really. I don't know. Is there any, um, has, has it ever been scientifically observed that prions um, can transmit easily. I mean, with, with mad cow disease, you literally had to eat the central nervous system tissue of an infected um, bovine or sheep or whatever it was. You couldn't even get it from the muscle tissue. It was only in the central nervous system. So it was in a certain sense, hard to get the problem. Hard to get. Yeah. But but when you're, when you're a no good rotten, um, especially Muslim um, butcher and you'll, and you throw things that you're not supposed to throw into the grinder, like brains and things like that. Spinal um, cord, yeah. Spinal cord, yeah. Then that's how they ended up with it, a, a lot of it in the UK. Um, so as long as you as long as you have good slaughter practices, this isn't gonna it's it wouldn't have been a concern. It's difficult to get. I, I don't want to throw people into a blind panic thinking I don't I've never heard of prions like being transmitted through the air or anything like that. No. However, I, I don't know if I should even, if this is a responsible thing for me to say, given that we just don't understand these things yet. I don't know what the vaccinated people are shedding. If they're mm-hmm. shedding a protein, if they're shedding actual mRNA, I don't know what this could turn into. It's all but hypothetical at this point. Some people said hypothetically at this point that um, having sex with someone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, there 
is a guy out there who is saying, um, if you are unvaccinated, you shouldn't be kissing, let alone having sex with someone who is vaccinated at this point. Wow. Because you risk um, really acquiring whatever is being transmitted from these vaccines, from the, the people that have accepted these vaccines. Uh, again, the inversion. Mm -hmm. it, you could not, no one, no you one could sit down and make nope. this up. Nope. This inversion of everything, there's no way that it's a coincidence. And you, you, you really get the sense that there is the, the most horrible, terrible fallen intellect is pulling the strings and has devised all this and that people are being whispered to by demons. And this is, this is the final, this is Lucifer's final attack on mankind, on the world, on everything. You can't, you could not make this up. Wow. Unbelievable. Yep. Yep. All right. And I have something to add real quick. Yes, ma'am. I was noticing a, well, I read a, an article earlier today from LifeSite News about the frontline doctors with uh, Simone Gold and the, I guess they have um, several hundred doctors who are kind of on their team and seeing people and four doctors who are doing a lot of research and writing articles for them. Um, they are helping people get hold of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and um, and just getting medical help because their own doctors aren't giving them that. So I don't know if that will help any of the listeners. Um, I am so glad that you brought that up, Super Mommy. Did you see the post that I just made? I received a letter from someone, and they um, they had a friend who wanted hydroxychloroquine, not ivermectin. It was for hydroxychloroquine. So they called one of those services that was doing. It's just like you call them. It's a ninety dollar, I think, consult, and then they send you a script, um, and the the thing that shocked the person was that the doctor that they talked to was pushing them to get jabbed and then the person you wow. know kind of their spidey sense went up and said hmm uh, okay um which one do you recommend and the response was whichever one is closest to your arm and just I'm really so, appalled and, by that. yeah and then some and then another anecdote was um someone asked just asked their their gp i think about the possibility of getting a script for ivermectin and the the response was um it would be unethical unethical for me to give you a prescription for that and i am obligated by law to record in your permanent medical record that you asked me to do something unethical. So the reason that I posted that letter was the whole notion of, well, Anne, why you're telling people to go into a farm supply store and buy ivermectin that is specifically labeled for animals? You're damn right I am because you walk in, you I sometimes you have to ask them to unlock a glass case. 
You guys keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. You don't owe the shop girl who's unlocking the the case to get you uh, the bottle of the ivermectin injectable or whatever it is. You don't need to be talking to them or telling them anything. You walk in, you buy it, you pay cash, you walk out the door and you have exactly the same drug. Oh, and by the way, what what is the difference between the um, the animal version and the pill version that is sold to human beings? Well, obviously it's it's um, liquid versus um, versus pill form. The main difference is that you're going to pay at minimum twenty times for exactly the same drug because that's how big pharma works. And and guys, it's all the same companies. Every big pharma, um, Pfizer, Merck, all of them, they all have animal health divisions. I used to do junkets for Pfizer. Pfizer would fly me into, I remember they would fly me into the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando and pay me, put me up, and then pay me $1,500 to give a 90-minute pres uh, presentation on the cattle markets to their big clients. All of these big pharma companies have, have huge animal health divisions. What's the difference? With human beings, they get away with charging 20 times, 100 times, 1,000 times the cost sometimes for exactly the same drug. It's exactly the same. I mean, it's, it's a testament to how people are just, <laughs> no pun intended, but people are sheep. They're saying, I can't take this because it says right there on the label, it's only for it's only for cattle and sheep. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You, I mean, you can't you can't see the difference here. S sit down and pencil out. First of all, just reminding everybody the genesis of all of this with me. Veterinarians have been taking this stuff, the animal, the animal stuff. They've been taking it themselves for decades. As soon as that stuff came out, veterinarians, because they're exposed to so much, They've, they've been self-dosing with the animal versions of the drugs. And if you talk to veterinarians, they know exactly what they can take in terms of antibiotics. They, they all know what the list is of what it's totally uh, kosher and copacetic for, for human beings to take in the animal pharmaceutical um in the medicine chest, you know, some stuff you can't, but ivermectin, you totally can. Vets have been taking it themselves for decades. How do you know this is safe? Well, um, vets have been taking it themselves for decades, first of all. And, you know, it's exactly the same it's drug. It's the same chemical, yes, it's the same chemical compound. Um, even in, in human medicine, there's things that animals take. I mean, I anesthetize human beings with propofol and ketamine. Veterinarians anesthetize animals with propofol and ketamine. My yeah. dog was stung by a bee. I was advised to give her a human Benadryl. There, there is crossover there. It's oh, yeah. totally the same drug, totally the same drug. And everyone knows, and the big pharma companies know, and if you don't, just to give you an idea of how wildly corrupt the big pharma co companies are, especially in terms of the United States, where they have just been gouging people ruthlessly 
for decades and decades. The the great example that Carl Denninger um, cites um, on Market Ticker is down in um, on the Mexican border. Okay, if you're like on if you're in Tucson or whatever, and you get stung by a scorpion or bitten by a venomous snake down there, and you need antivenin. There's, there is one example, I think it might be the scorpion antivenin, that if you go into an emergency room in Tucson and get, you know, the, the, the course of antivenin that you need, they bill your insurance company $45,000 for it. You can drive literally like 30 minutes across the Mexican border and get exactly the same antivenin for $250. That this mm-hmm. is the level of corruption of big pharma. Mm-hmm. So that and I mean that's an extreme example, but just making sure that everybody understands well, I, it's, it's know, about the pricing differential. Of course, but we have Super Bowl ad commercial airtime to pay for and yep. Yep, exactly. Priorities. Why do you think, I mean, all of you guys that watch Fox News, even I haven't watched television in years, but when I did, every other commercial was for some, some farm, it was for a drug. Yeah. There is so much money. And that, that also should make you stop and consider how the media itself propagandizes you because they're so dependent on big pharma advertising. Right. Right. They're, it's all one big combine and they're all in bed with each other. And this whole one of the things, obviously, we all think that, that the Corona scam is population reduction slash sterilization. It is obviously a means of um, of instigating and and accomplishing a totalitarian push, which we are in the midst, midst of. No question about that. But what it also is, is it is the biggest money laundering operation in human history. The, the amount of money that has been laundered to just to big pharma in all of this is, I, it's, I think it's in the trillions now. I think it's pretty easily in the trillions. I mean, uh, amounts of money that are so vast that they, they in, re- in realistic terms, they don't even exist. You know, we're talking about if you subscribe to my theory of money, that money is a proxy for the human capacity to labor, produce, and create through time. And that money can be easily, there's a function that converts all money into basically man hours. None of this exists. I mean, these quantities of money don't even exist because you've covered the life of every person on the planet and then gone forward now, I don't know how many generations, six, at least six generations, assuming that they don't exterminate the entire global population. And if you get eventually to a point where there are 10 billion people on earth um, and convert all of that into man hours, it, you're, you're still not even anywhere close to what they've done with the money supply, but it still has buying power. It's still, it, it still is allowing these people to live these decadent lifestyles. And, and also admittedly, it's a power rush. They're, a lot of them just do it because they can. And they, it, gives them, it gives them diabolical satisfaction to just get away with it. Um, they clearly don't have any concept or care about what that's the thing that's so interesting to me. They have no concept or care about what the, the consequences of any of this are going to be. 
there's there's not going to be a world for you to go live a decadent lifestyle in. There's not going to be, you know, resorts and clubs and 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 all this. You need human human beings in order to animate and vivify all of this. And they they these people are so lost and so dumb. And this is very common amongst Americans. I think a lot of them they just think that you know food comes out of the back room of the grocery store, and it's or out of the out of the kitchen of the restaurant, and it just shows up and it's just there. And you know all of the all of the things that they consume, all of the clothing and fashion and and cars and whatever it is that they consume, that these things just appear and there's no there's no connection or concept of, of where anything comes from and that you have to have the entire human race basically working together um, to enable and facilitate and make possible all of these things. And these people are literally that moral, they're, they're that blinded, morally blinded. Again, we've talked about this in terms of um, sin makes you stupid. It doesn't drop your IQ, but it dims your intellect so that you you have the 700 horsepower engine and you're mashing the throttle, but the transmission's disengaged. So you're just sitting there with your with your engine spun up, no power getting to the wheels at all. In fact, you're in neutral, so you'll just roll. You're you're just going to roll with gravity. So I I don't know. It's it's again we just keep coming back to the diabolical in all of this. Speaking of the pharmaceutical corruption, mm. um, one point I do want, and I know non-Venny Mark has made this point on his blog. Um, you've made this point. I want to just follow it up. Please understand, these shots are not FDA approved. Right. They, they are being utilized under an emergency use authorization. And the only way that happens in a situation for disease is if there is no known treatment for that disease. Then the FDA will allow or will issue an EUA, an emergency use authorization. Hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin have been overwhelmingly successful, according to everyone that I have talked to, including my own personal experience with it. My father was sick. I gave him ivermectin. He literally recovered in hours. I myself started feeling the sniffles coming on at the end of February. I took a dose of ivermectin. I was fine within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Both of those medications, hydroxychloroquine, I think has been in use somewhere like 70 years. Yeah. And you can, yeah. You can because it's it. an anti-malarial. Yeah. Right. And so you can buy it over the counter. It, it's not over the counter in the U.S., but in places where it is over the counter, it's like two bucks. Yeah. So in, in Africa, in English speaking places in Africa, they call it Sunday, 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 Sunday. Right. Because so, you take it once a week and you take it on Sunday. So hydroxychloroquine right. is called Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. In the ivermectin, the, the mechanism of action of ivermectin for the SARS-CoV-2 uh, virus, the ivermectin prevents the spike protein of the virus from binding with the ACE, the ACE2 receptors. It is phenomenally effective. Yep. And all of that had to be suppressed in order to allow Big Pharma to get their emergency use authorization so that they could, so that Trump could could give them $2 billion to produce these jabs, 
yeah. which means ultimately on the back end of that, lots of people had to die. Lots of people who had symptoms of COVID that could have recovered, that could have been treated early with these cheap drugs yeah. had to be sacrificed to the gods of big pharma. It's That's right ridiculous. It's disgusting and despicable what's been done here. This will go down as one of the largest crimes ever perpetrated on the human race. Oh, it is. For By sure. orders of magnitude. Orders of magnitude. And what's sad, I think I, I put this into the, into the chit-chat group that we have. I got such a sad email from a person who said, oh, I got the vaccine, but um, now that I'm seeing all of this stuff is happening, if it starts happening happening to me, I can just take ivermectin, right? And I'm just <gasps> like, um, no, sweetie, that that is you, not. No, you've allowed <sighs> this mRNA to be accepted through the, the nanolipid particle, allows the mRNA to be taken up into your cells of your body where it becomes part of you. It yep. becomes part of you. Once you take these jabs, you can never take them back. That's right. Once and you if you get, this, and if you get if you confront if you confront a coronavirus next this coming fall or winter in the next cold and flu season, as I strongly suspect is the plan with all of this, and you've had this you've had this death jab. I don't think that ivermectin or anything else can help no. you. And I think that's the point. I think the point of it is that you go into a situation where your immune system just kills you from the inside out and there's not a damn thing that anybody is going to be able to do about it. Your body is going to start producing it's white blood cells, right? Your spleen goes bonkers. And then you're basically what happens is your lungs fill with pus. And until the, until the alveoli, the little sacs in your lungs explode, it's not, it's, it's not going to be, you know, having a chest cold. It's going to be your body, your immune system killing you from the inside out. But guess what they're going to call it? They're going to call it Corona cold. COVID. They're yep. going to call it a variant and they're going to blame the unvaxxed. It's called cytokine storm. Your, your immune system releases so many cytokines, which are little chemical mediators, um, and it overwhelms you. So interleukin, uh, interleukin one, interleukin six, tumor necrosis factor, and, and it causes the, the alveolar capillary membrane, which is the little membrane interface between your alveoli and the capillaries in your pulmonary vascular bed to become very permeable. And the fluid component of your blood, the plasma mm. will then leak into your alveoli and you drown and um, your blood vessels become massively vasodilated and your blood pressure drops. And there's all sorts of just very ugly, ugly things that happen to you. Um, so the, in that cytokine storm, is going to result from antibody dependent enhancement. So these vaccines are going to cause your body when it sees the, um, the wild strain of the virus to kick into this cytokine storm. There's other things happening. We don't even know all of the ingredients in these vaccines. The nanolipid particles themselves that are used to encase the messenger RNA, the mRNA, what happens once the mRNA is and enters into your cell via this nanolipid particle, then what happens to the nanolipid particle? It doesn't leave your body. It stays there. Mm -hmm. And that alone 
contains all sorts of things that affect you. There, there are adjuvants in those nanolipid particles and only tons of them. And one of them, I can't even remember the name of it now, but one of them has the effect um, on your immune system where it damages and destroys your white blood cells. It damages your endovascular, um, the endothelial lining of your vasculature. It strips the red blood cells of hemoglobin. Uh, terrible, terrible things. We have no idea what the long-term effects of these jabs are because we don't even know all of the ingredients. And the ones that we do know, they're pretty bad. And just reiterating, guys, the they have never brought a nanolipid, um, a nanolipid substance to market legitimately, right? Right. right. This is the first time there has not been anything with nanolipid particles ever gone through the process and been approved by the FDA. I think a lot of people have absolutely no idea about this. So the emergency, the EUA, the emergency use authorization allows the bypassing of all the normal clinical testing. And so what we're seeing right now, what we're living in is the phase three clinical trial. You are all by, by taking these jabs, you are all consenting to be lab rats. Mm-hmm. Period. Full stop. That's that's just the bottom line. Um, the small, limited human trials that were done over the summer excluded pregnant women, mm-hmm. first of all, and excluded anyone with pre-existing disease. So the limited human trials that were done over the summertime, in which we were told people were exhibiting pretty severe side effects, those were robust, healthy people. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing now this colossal unfolding of just disaster. Yeah. For for a chest cold virus with a 99.97% survival recovery. Rate. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And you know, um the the race continue. It's all about money as we discussed. It's all about big pharma and corruption and the race to get more of these to market and make money continues because there are now 89 other COVID-19 vaccines lining up to be No, released. 89? Yes. Oh yes. Gosh. There were uh over the summer when Pfizer was leading the pack, I think there were 120 or 113, I don't remember exactly uh, the number that were in development, but now there are 89 that are in the pipeline ready to come to market. So we absolutely have to stand up against this because these people have no intention of going away. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's never going away. And it's no. going to be, well, you need a booster every year. And then it's going to be, right. you, need, you need a booster every six months. And then it's going to be, basically, you need it quarterly. And if you don't, your ability to have a bank account is going to be cut off until right. you, I mean, this, this is clearly, I think, I think it's safe to say at this point, this is clearly a mark of the beast either precursor or or this is it, which which brings us to the Vatican and all of this crap and these conferences that are happening in the Vatican. Y'all need to watch these things. And, and you might be surprised that I'm saying that because obviously this is the anti-church. There is no magisterial weight authority. This has nothing to do with Jesus Christ or his holy church. This is all anti-church. The reason why you need to watch this is because one of the things that Satan and his minions do is that they tell you, usually, 
pretty openly exactly what their plans and intentions are. And people just, you know, glaze over it, ignore it. Bergoglio has done that. He, his, he said his intention was to so completely fundamentally transform the church that it, could, it would not be possible to undo what he, the damage and the transformation that, that he was done. He laid out his agenda. Um, he said, I'm, I'm not going to say things ex, uh, explicitly myself. I'm going to have other people say it, but then I'll just stay silent and let, you know, and let the current of popular opinion change as it will. I mean, he, these people are very open about all this stuff. All of the New World Order people, as we began the discussion with, they're all Malthusian. They all want 90% or more population reduction, and they want it within a matter of years. And they're completely open about all of it. The, the corona scam itself, as we talked about, with Event 201, and then before that in 2017, the Johns Hopkins documents. There are documents even before that. There are documents that go back to like 2010 of them saying there has to be a global reset. There, it's probably going to have to be done in the context of a global pandemic, da-da-da-da-da. Okay, watch this Vatican thing because that's coming up. This thing is going to be an absolute who's who of global Satanism. It's Fauci. It's Chelsea Clinton. It's um, it's Jane Goodall. I mean, you just go down the line and it's just name after name after name of the most evil people alive, some of the most evil people alive today. Pay attention to it. See what they're saying. Because Lucifer and his minions, they get they get a huge rush, and diabol diabolical narcissists in general get a huge rush about, you know, telling you, I am going to abuse you, I am going to do this, and then just watching you take it. They get a huge kick out of that. I can tell you what I'm going to do to you, and, and you will you will let me do it because you are so subservient to me. And I and I'm so awesome, and I'm so wonderful. So, pay close attention to this thing. Not because it has anything to do with the church or teaching or anything else. Um, got talked to someone today who said that went to confession, and the priest in confession told him that you know you need to be wearing a mask and blah 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 blah. And you know my my response and reply to that was why why in the world would that even come up in the confessional? Remember, guys, when you go to confession, you need to say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It has been two weeks since my last confession. Since my last confession, I accuse myself of. And then you list what you did, number and kind. And guys, you don't need to be discussing current events. You don't need to be discussing politics. I have never in my life mentioned masks, masking, anything in confession. Why would I? I've never committed any sort of a sin with regards to masking. You say, well, Anne, it's the law. You, you've said that you flagrantly break the law and that you have never worn a mask in your life. Well, Augustine and Aquinas both teach that an unjust law is no law at all. I haven't committed any sin by not wearing a mask, even though local law says I'm not supposed to step outside ever without one on. Psh do you think I'm going into the confessional and saying I committed a sin by not wearing a mask? Of course not. I did. I haven't committed a sin. Th these things shouldn't even be coming up. If you told a lie, 
if you snapped at somebody, I mean, you know what the list of sins is. Just say, I told a lie. I snapped at someone. Whatever. I ate too much. You, but you don't need to be like going into, into huge detail, context, life story. You certainly don't need to be discussing current events. I, I mean, unless it, it, it specifically pertains to a sin that you committed, not a sin that anyone else committed, not a sin that the state committed. You don't need to be going into the confessional and confessing other people's sins. Just confess your own. And this, this especially holds true if you have to go to confession with a Novus Ordo priest or in a Novus Ordo parish ob for obvious reasons, because they're all 100, oh, they're almost all 100% bought in on this. Um, you're, you're safer in a trad, in a, in a trad parish, but still, why are you even talking about things like that? You, you, if, if you have not committed a sin, it doesn't even need to come up. So you don't go to confession and say, well, I didn't receive the vaccine. Well, uh, what is, what, where is sin in that? You don't, you don't need to be talking about that. Don't be baiting, um, you know, don't go looking for trouble, in other words, in the confessional, especially with Novus Ordo priests. So that's my little pet talk about that. Uh, Nurse Claire, I have a quick question before we close up on um, the whole podcast or even just the topic. But uh, do you have any idea if ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine can prevent the transmission of whatever it is from the vaccinated to the unvaccinated? Hmm. That's a good question. That was discussed in the webinar that I attended earlier this evening. Uh, no one really knows the answer to that. So the advice is to continue with the COVID-19 prophylaxis protocol with ivermectin. Uh, one dose every other week is, is what they're advising. Mm -hmm. And vitamin D, zinc, especially vitamin C, um, uh, quercetin, which also is a nutritional supplement that helps drive zinc into the cells and augments its action um, because they don't know if if those things are going to help us or not, but it's it's worth a shot. Yeah. Um, a doctor friend of mine gave me both a prophylactic, prophylactic and a um, treatment protocol for mm -hmm. if you can't get a hold of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. Um, and I can put the link to that in the show notes as well. It comes from the Eastern Virginia Medical School for right. treating COVID. But um, yeah, it includes the quercetin and zinc and vitamin D and C and even melatonin, which melatonin that was kind of yeah. added later, I guess. But um, what does the melatonin it. do? Do you know what's what uh, is that about? I looked it up last night. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember. Because that's um, that's the sleep regulation thing, it isn't it? Is here we go. Let me pull it up again because I, I did have it last night. I looked at it. Um, talk about something while I look at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing it on the on the list here, and it just says causes drowsiness. Yeah, it um, it blocks the action of certain. Uh, viral mediated interferons. Um, it can upregulate the um, polyubiquitination of mitochondrial antiviral signaling proteins. I think Ooh. it also has some kind of um, 
antioxidant property. Yes. Yes. I was going to say mine has Yeah. Anti-inflammatory effects. So it has several different mechanisms of action. Pepsid was another thing that I had seen added to some protocols as well. And if you do get COVID, the recommendation is that you add to those protocols a baby aspirin. Um, I have been in contact with some nurses who have seen people with the, the long COVID syndrome, and they feel that that is due to the fact that after recovery from the acute phase of COVID, some of these patients continue to have a subclinical blood clotting effect that can produce some inflammation and, and causes some of these manifestations of brain fog because they will have mm. an ongoing micro clotting in the brain. And so a baby aspirin can kind of inhibit or mitigate that effect. And you said Pepsid, as in yep. that's, the, that's the heartburn drug, right? Yep. Yep. It what is does a, that do? Is that an anti-inflammatory? Or? The, the exact mechanism of action, I don't recall, but it affects the histamine-mediated responses that come with inflammation. So, Is, that, is Pepsid over-the-counter now? Yep. Okay. Yes. Okay. All of those things, with the exception of hydroxychloroquine and iver ivermectin, you can get over-the-counter. I will also send you a link. There is a website with some physicians that are that are dispensing these medications. I know that your reader um, had sent you that email. There's another website, though, that was given to me by a group of frontline nurses that they swear by this physician group that they will provide these, um, they call it their COVID cocktails, um, to anyone in the United States and in, in any state, they have three different cocktails listed on their website. One is for the acute phase of COVID if you do get sick. One is a pre-COVID cocktail you can take if you've been exposed or for prophylaxis. And one is a post-COVID cocktail to try to um, help with the long-term, the long COVID syndrome. So I can send you that link as well and maybe people would have better luck with that um, because they're they're dispensing not only the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, but um, steroids, in, in particular the budesonide, which is an inhaled steroid that's been shown to be very phenomenally effective as well. So um, I and I just I just way. feel like we need to give a little love and give a shout out to influenza. Poor influenza <laughs> who's like sitting in the corner and crying. Oh, no, nobody worry. loves me. Everybody's influenza. forgotten about me. All these influenza all these cocktails probably here. work for influenza too. They're antiviral. They yeah. Of course they do. Influenza, we love you. You're Aww. still here. We know you're still here. You've just been rebranded. You've yes. just been rebranded. It's okay. It's okay, sweetie. You're going to come back. You're going to come back. We, we know it. Someday people are going to recognize that mm, half or more of this was you all along. So. <laughs> <laughs> Did we talk about the PIC coding? Oh, you, okay. That is the perfect place to wrap this up. You need to hit that again because that, that cannot be hit enough. A, yeah. yeah, that was a, that was a legit diagnostic code. Um, it was called PIC. You could be admitted to the hospital, put on a ventilator even, and the ICD code that would be admitted or submitted by the hospital to your insurance company for billing purposes could just say PIC, which stands for pneumonia, 
influenza or coronavirus. So it. It's and when three... when did they consolidate those three oh. together? When when did that happen? Roughly, girl, you know the answer to that. Come on, <laughs> it was like April, April twenty twenty or June twenty twenty or something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, somewhere about somewhere around yeah. there. Yeah. So um, influenza is still here. It's just been rebranded. Don't worry. We haven't <laughs> we haven't gotten rid of the flu. Don't worry. Nope. Nope. All right, ladies. I'm looking at my clock. We're at 142. Perfect, as usual. So, as I suspected, we never got off of medical stuff, but we definitely need to, like in a couple of weeks, we need to do this again, another Dosekis episode, because we have a whole list of things that aren't that don't have to do with with uh, Corona scam or any of that that are just germane to ladies. Um, questions that ladies have sent in. I mentioned modesty in dress, um, sources for modest clothing, um, just all kinds of things that apply to females. To the listeners out there, if you have any questions of things that would be um, discussion points for a Dos Equis, a ladies episode, please send those to us. And also, if any of the men are listening, if any of you start menstruating, please email me immediately. <laughs> we, we need to know. We need to know, y'all. So, <laughs> so Super Mommy, thank you so much. And Super Mommy has been doing like light production duty and light factotum duty during all of this. But Super Mommy, get ready for the next episode because I I know that you have a lot to say about. Um, you know, young ladies, modesty in dress, and uh, so on and so forth. So I do have a couple young ladies of my own. So <laughs> indeed, indeed, and uh, I love I love the critique that girls can't wear skirts because it's impossible for girls to play if they're wearing a skirt or a dress. So just put that on your burner, super mommy, and uh, we'll uh, we'll uh, let you open with that on the next Dos Equis episode. Nurse Claire, as always, I mean, fabulous. Yeah. I wish I had better news. I I, I wish I had better news. This only ends with hot war. So praise the Lord and pass the ammo. Amen. Amen. (laughs) And Vanessa, you cannot be suppressed. So (laughs) (laughs) never. Thank you. And um, we hope Vanessa, again, talk, talking about things that you never thought you'd hear yourself say, Vanessa, right. your menstrual cycle is in all of our prayers. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> Thank we're hoping- you. Yeah. To anyone who has, you know, a woman who's young or ministers to women, you know, keep this information in mind and, and tell them just to, to lay low until we can figure this out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, wrapping it up, as always, remember, Super Nerd, none of this happens unless Super Nerd makes it happen. He does all post-production, everything, even when he doesn't appear on the episode. Um, If you would like to show a little love to the Super Nerd effort, his website is supernerdmedia.com, and he does have a PayPal button, and he has other means of donation Um, And he is eternally grateful to people who sent him money, as I am, of course, eternally grateful to all of my benefactors and supporters. Mass every day, y'all. Still happening. Mass every day. Don't forget about that. Um, We all remember the Matthew 17, 20 intention, but we're getting getting tight on time, so we'll skip that. But keep praying, guys. Keep praying. We're in the midst of the St. Catherine of Siena. In fact, the St. Catherine of Siena Novena begins today. Her feast is the 30th. And today's the 22nd. So if you're hearing this, jump on. You can you can jump on the St. Catherine of Novena 
um, and be be ready to culminate that with us on the 30th of April. And the other thing that I have to make sure that you guys remind me every single episode, this podcast has its own patron saint, um, super nerd and super mommy's um, eighth child is a saint in heaven, Saint Tiny Princess. And I need to keep reminding everybody that we have our own patron saint of this website. She was present and was hearing um, uh, numerous editions of the Barnhart podcast being recorded um, while she was on earth in 2018. She is now in the beatific vision. We need to put this little woman to work. So um, please, uh, all the listeners out there, Saint Tiny Princess, God knows exactly who you're talking about when you say Saint Tiny Princess and um, she hears and she can intercede. So put that little woman to work. Saint Tiny Princess, pray for us. Amen. So thank you all so much. Wonderful episode. And we will see you all next time on the Bar and Heart Podcast. I'm Ann, guys. Thanks and God bless. <laughs>